I'm Fraser T. Smith, a music artist, record producer, musician and songwriter, and I've made an album called 12 Questions under the name Future Utopia. Each track on the record poses a deep philosophical question, and I've invited some of the sharpest minds in popular culture to answer these questions in order to help me and others navigate living in the modern world. In this episode, I welcome TV personality and model Abby Clancy, footballing legend and presenter Peter Crouch, and musical icon Nile Rogers. Nile Rogers, Peter Crouch, Abby Clancy, I'm so, so grateful to have you on this episode of the 12 Questions podcast. I, Thanks for having us. <laughs> I feel like, honestly, like I've died and gone to heaven. In our house, we love music we love fashion and we love football so when I'm looking at this screen I honestly feel like I've died and gone to heaven and I feel like I've seen your faces they've been in music in fashion in in the books I've read in the podcasts I've been listening to so I'm so grateful for you being here Abby and Peter if I can introduce you as as this incredible super couple that that <laughs> I don't even know, but but we have mutual friends. And Abby, I've yeah. been talking to your wonderful brother, John, who's an incredible musician. Peter, I feel like I know you because I've seen you on your podcast, read your book. I see you like more than I see my best mates at the minute because every time I watch <laughs> a football game, you are there. I don't know how you manage it. But I just want to say that I, I think of you both as this incredible couple who brilliant parents to your four kids you've achieved so much and you keep on achieving so much individually but for me it's how you are together as, as this humble grounded sensitive couple that are just shining this positive light out and as I said rewriting well <laughs> it's, it's what I see four in the kids year. four kids we hate each other that's why he works so much. <laughs> now I'm joking <laughs> I don't know how you do it, you know, in terms of time, but you, what you're putting out there in terms of, you know, the adverts, you're, you're presenting, your commentary, your, and the, the smiles that, that you're giving everyone, especially over lockdown, has just been so inspirational. So, Abby and Peter, I salute you. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. I really well, that's the, do. That's the honestly. I don't get that kind of introduction on my podcast. I can tell you that for for one thing. Oh, listen, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, comes comes from my heart. Niall, I was thinking of you, if if I could, for a second, in footballing terms. And when I look at you, I see this incredible human being that Peter is a mixture, honestly, a mixture of Pele, Ronaldo. Bob Paisley, Alex Ferguson, because as a guitar player and as a songwriter and as a producer, there's been no one, no. Anna and an arranger, there's been no one that, and a composer, I just keep going, the, the list of things <laughs> that you do are incredible. No one has walked this planet that has achieved more across all these disciplines and you are unique. But to me, going back to what you mean to me as a, an individual and we've got to know each other, I'm so grateful to say it over the past couple of years, you are the most grounded, humble, energetic, warm, caring person that I've ever met. The Nile Rogers that everyone knows is one thing and that's incredible. And look at the discs that surround you. But the person whose passion for music is beyond anyone's I've ever met is something that I absolutely love about you. So to have you on this podcast and to hear your answer to these questions and to to consider you a friend is something that I hold very, very dearly. And I really love you, ma'am. I have to say that. Oh, you're very, very kind. Thank you. Shall we just launch into the first question? <laughs> I was actually about to say, I've met you before, Niall, a couple of times. You probably don't remember because you've met millions of people on a daily basis. But the last time I saw you, I actually went to see your concert with Sheik. And I was mm -hmm. nine months pregnant and my, uh, my brother dragged, I say dragged me in the most politest sense. Not that I didn't want to go to the concert. I literally couldn't walk at this point because my ankles were so swollen. And I remember just being in your concert, the only person sitting down eating peaches <laughs> because I had, I, I had this like obsession with peaches when I was pregnant. And I, I remember this lady next to me saying, who brings peaches to a sheep concert? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was dancing away and I was like, couldn't move, baby, kicking me to death. And I was eating peaches in your concert. And then mm. we had, uh, we were fortunate enough to 
meet you afterwards. And yeah, it was just, a, we've seen you numerous times. So it was a mega show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Funny story. So good. So <laughs> I thought good. you were going to say, oh, and then right after my water broke. And... <laughs> John, your, your brother was on stage as well. Yeah, Her, her brother was Isle of Wight Festival. You played there. And uh, you know when you oh, called yeah. everyone on stage? Uh, Ab- Abby's brother got on stage and we, we saw him on the big screen. That was another, another yeah, so episode. Funny. Wow. Well, oh, cool. No, so kids. we're all family here now. <laughs> we are family. We are family. Yeah. And we actually conceived our babies to your song. No, I'm steady on. Which one? Freak out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> upside down, wasn't it? Yeah, right. Upside down. <laughs> right, when the baby was born, I'm coming out. Exactly. I'm coming out. I'm coming out. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh man we're degrading here i know it's always me <laughs> love it so so abby question one fear or faith oh god i am totally fear all the way okay you know i'm scared of everything scared of my own shadow make scenarios up in my own head of the worst possible like last night i couldn't sleep because i was thinking you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? I had a dream that one of the kids got eaten by a tiger last night, didn't I? Crying in my sleep. He's like, what is wrong with you? So <laughs> yeah, fear or faith. I'm not sure I have any faith at the moment. I'm always scared, aren't I? It's sort of a driver though, isn't it? Fear in a way. We're all conditioned to be like, oh, you know, maybe this should be, the answer should be faith. So I love the fact that, that you've gone the other way, Abby. But mm. when you're stepping up to take a penalty, Peep, <laughs> what's that level of fear? Or is it just, is it faith or is it blind faith? No, I think with, with that, I think there's a little bit of, you know, I've practiced all my life to stand there and take that penalty. And you know, I feel like all the work that I've put in has got me to this position now where all every bit of work that I've put in since I was eight, nine years old to get me to this point, I, I can fall back on. It's like a muscle memory almost, you know, it's like because I'm in a position, it's like I've taken up golf now since I've retired and I stand over the ball and I think, I have no clue where this ball's going to go. I, I mean, it might go right, it could go left, you know, it could be a great <laughs> shot. But with football, you know, that's my thing. And that's my thing I've practiced, you know, like now with the guitar or, you know, the music. It's Second With engine. me, I just know I stand over this ball and I think I'm here for a reason. I'm here because I've practiced and I, I know what to do with the penalty. But going back to fear and, and faith is definitely... Like we work well together because Abby is definitely fear. She fears the worst, which is a good thing in our relationship because I am too like, you know, it'll be fine, we'll be fine. You know, so the points where there's been times like illnesses or, you know, I'll just paper over things where Ab's fear comes into play. And it's like, no, you need to get that checked. You need to get that looked at and we'll go and it will be to my to my benefit. Yeah. Whereas obviously in other times, Ab's fear will come in and it'll just be, totally it'll be too much. Hilarious. And my, <laughs> my sort of faith will sort of counteract that. And I think that's why we're a good blend because we mm. have a little bit of both. But my fear is never for me. Like I always get left out of it. I never worry about myself or what if something happens to me or it's, it's always, it's always other people that keep me awake at night. I just want everything to be perfect for everyone else. That's what's a good blend. It's a great blend in a, in a relationship. Mm. No, do you, before you're about to go and do an amazing gig, is it just you've done it so much now that you, and obviously you look so relaxed on stage, does fear ever come into play or are you, are you faith all the way? Yeah, I'm, I'm faith all the way. I, um, you know, as Peter said, I've been preparing for that moment and that next and that next and that next moment over and over and over again all my life. So even if something fearful happens, I have a lot of faith that we're going to resolve it in a good way. I remember once being backstage with Elton John saying to him, God, I never thought that I'd get to the point in my life where every show is great. And he looked at me and he went, what do you mean every show is great? And I went, uh-oh, I think I just <laughs> said the wrong thing because obviously he doesn't feel like every show is great for him. <laughs> but to me, I feel like every show we do is great because even when we have things go wrong, it allows me to interact with the audience or it, it just, man, the, the worst thing I could think of, we were doing a show in Istanbul and a bomb went off right while we were doing the show and the bomb went off nearby and it was maybe 80, 90,000 people, just a massive amount of people at the show. And I could see the crowd getting somewhat disrupted and then also some people being really calm. 
And the promoter ran out to me and said, Mr. Rogers, uh, we, we have to stop the show. We have to stop the show. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, I've gigged in the Middle East a lot. And I have a lot of friends from the Middle East. They have weddings and they shoot guns and bombs go off and they just go, oh, cool. You know, so I asked the people, do you want us to leave or carry on? They all went, play, 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 wow. play. And I was like, okay. So that just shows you that in, a, in an incredibly fearful situation, even the collective vibe of the people had faith that mm -hmm. things were going to turn out right. And maybe it's because of sort of likening back to what Peter said, that we've been conditioned all our lives for those moments. And when they come, we have faith that they'll resolve in a very positive way. You're right about that, the collective consciousness that can override fear. And that that's why I guess sometimes that the media has a lot to play, I guess, over lockdown. Don't want to get too deep into it about the media. Yeah, I didn't mean to go that I didn't mean to go that deep on the bomb scare thing. Isn't that it's interesting how a lot of the times, you know, a lot of the, the reports have drawn us into the negative, hasn't it? And I think that Yeah. That's why we've we've needed the three of you to shine this like more positive light on the TV and with the music. It then brings us into a different state, you know. Can, can I just say there though, like with fear in some ways, is that I, if I don't feel the fear, like if I'm talking about obviously equating it to myself, but if I don't feel that fear before I go out onto the football pitch, or even now when I'm doing like live television, or if I don't feel that fear, it's not that buzz, that adrenaline, that. You know, if I don't feel that, I feel like I'm in the wrong job, if you know what I mean? Um, because that that kind of fear, that and then when you overcome that, it's like the greatest accomplishment in the world. And I'm sure it's the same for See, Niall. I, I, I feel the, the same opposite. For, I know it's not, it's, it's not like that for <laughs> you, is it? I only, when I did Strictly, I loved practicing in the rehearsal room. And then when I had to do the live show, I would have rather died after <laughs> there. And we did like a live tour in all the big arenas. And I hated it. I hated the crowd cheering me. I hate, it was just so, it was mm. such a bizarre feeling to me. And you love it. Like the crowd spare you on and feed mm. your <laughs> adrenaline. And it, it, it just didn't, it didn't work. I even remember when I was on Jonathan Ross and I was sitting next to Stevie Wonder, sitting in silence. And he, he said to me, why are you so scared? And he could just feel. <laughs> he could feel it. Yeah. Energy coming off me in waves. Like, cause as a child, I was like, look at me. But I think as I've got older, it's like the, the fear overtakes my ability to do things well. That's mm. interesting. This flows into my question for you, Peter, is how much is enough? Again, opposite enough? answers to this. <laughs> um, no, it's difficult because like, if I equate it to, to, to us again, is that uh, I always think sometimes, you know, you go, when do you take a breath and go, ah, oh, you know, You've started that, an argument here, no, no. Fraser. <laughs> when, when do you go? Um, when do you take a breath and go? God, you know, we've done some amazing things and and relax and sort of take a deep breath. But on the flip side of that, I, I get the other side of to to keep going and and having new goals keeps us alive, keeps us healthy, keeps mm. us. You know, you do need to strive for things, I and mean, it doesn't matter what that is. It's not. You know, I'm not talking money here, or I'm not talking materialistic things. I'm, I'm talking about having a goal is to me, something that keeps you alive. And I know, I know people that have, have retired, you know, late on in their life and, and got very ill and, you know, they, they didn't have another goal or they didn't have another passion to follow. And it's like, I don't want to sound too morbid, but I always feel that you need another goal. When you say, you know, when is enough? I don't think there's ever a time where you sit back and go, right, I'm just going to stay indoors and I'm going to listen to music and I'm just going to rock on my chair and chill out. You know, I don't think it, you can't. I think if you, the day you do that, it's the day, you know, it's over for you, isn't it? I think yeah. it doesn't matter how old you are. If it's 80, 90, you mm. know, go out and have a walk around the park is, you know, that that's a goal in itself when you're that age, you know, mm -hmm. I think you always need to have a goal. So it sounds like I'm being materialistic when I say, you know, it's never enough. But what I'm trying to say is that always yeah always have a goal no matter what it is that's inspiring and i mean from your side as well well all of you it's so apparent that you you know you've you've achieved such incredible things and you just keep on achieving more and you keep you can tell that you're all so much that way inclined i mean now i remember being in the studio with you once and you had come from another studio we were working with craig david and you turned up and we had the most amazing session and then it got to about half nine and you were looking at your watch. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, it's is knocking on. You know, we haven't had dinner now. 
I said, um, probably ready to rap now, right? And you said, yeah, I've got this um, session I'm doing in, in East London with Disclosure. I'm going to play some disco loops. I was like, what? I'm ready to just go back and have a glass of wine and go and see my wife. And you're, you're going to be there and you were there till probably, what, midnight playing with Disclosure. I mean, you have more, I've said it before earlier, but you have more energy than I've seen from, from someone who's 18 or 19 now. I mean, wh where do you get that from? You know, man, it's it's a little bit crazy, but I have a relentless obsession to see if any number of things are possible. So sometimes I'm exhausted and and I just say to myself, I wonder if I'd be creative if I went there at three o'clock in the morning because, you know, these hardcore hip hop guys, that's when they wake up. That's <laughs> that's when they and they drink like 30 Red Bulls or something and then they want to go to work. And and I just I wonder if I could do that. And I'm always placing myself into certain situations just because I want to see if it's possible. Cause I, you know what, man? I'm just curious. I mean, I know Fraser, like when when I'm working with you, like I I have to say honestly, man, I was so impressed with your level of talent, and I was just thinking to myself, wow, maybe we should do this like a lot, or you know, what I mean, I I guess maybe it's never enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, honestly, I just we are recording right. I want to make sure we've got we've got everything that Nal just said for for <laughs> like my something I'll play back every single day. So I was but, um, it is sometimes like you're in the studio and time stand still you know when you're you're enjoying something certainly working with you was the most incredible experience it was uh, fun right yeah. and and there was like no pressure oh what, what's he gonna play what's he gonna sing what's he gonna you know it just well you said no pressure but you know you were you were playing the guitar and bearing in mind what that what that means to me and would mean to any fan of music and then you just casually said well let's just jam why don't you play a bass line on that 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 was pressure. That was a, a lot of pressure right there. But no, it was great fun. Uh, Abby, do we really care? Question three. About what? Like, I care about everything and then I don't care at the same time. I, I'm gutted you've come to me first. You know, I care about everything too much sometimes. And then I think the older you get, you don't care about what people think. I don't think things offend you or hurt you as much as you do like like for example this morning my little girl had a little bust up with her friend from school and her world is literally ending you know they're having these texts to each other oh she's not my best friend anymore <laughs> and it's like the end of the world and I think as you get older all these trivial things you don't care about and the important things matter like your family your health happiness your goals your life just listening to all of you three and the things that you've done in your life and being so fortunate to do things that you love every day. You know, it, it, it's an amazing thing. And I think that's what you care about, making each day count. Beautiful answer. So much wisdom really? on these on these answers, you know. I just, <laughs> having learned so much from doing the album and speaking to the most amazing activists and rappers and poets and, and singers was one thing. But now coming onto these podcasts is a great gift hearing these these answers. It's, it's an incredible thing. Peter. What's in a name? What's in a name? Um, oh, I had a little think about this one. I, I think a name is... Power? Is, no, I don't, I don't think it's anything until you make it something. Mm. And I feel like, you know, even Sheik, I look at Coldplay, Oasis, they're not incredibly thought-out names. It's what they've been made into. That's the same with, in my profession, footballers. I mean, since, you know, it's a family, family name or what have you, but listen, anyone could make a name anything they want it to be. And I think... Um, Certainly in my profession, it was, you know, football and, and that's the way it's gone. And if you're someone starting out in anything you do, I think whatever name or background you've got, and I think it's obviously very apt at the moment because there's been struggles where people have, have found it difficult to maybe break through for, for whatever reason. And you can always change that. You can always change the, you know, no matter where you've come from, no matter what your name is or no matter what your background or what color you are, basically you can change anyone's perception with with what you do uh mm -hmm. we've been fortunate with the obviously the platforms we've been given obviously now with with music happy and fashion myself and new music as well but we've been given a platform to sort of elevate our name if you like and and use that for good I like the hope hope in that peter you know it's positive and it's it's hopeful you know all these questions are meant to obviously it's up for debate but but the best thing for me is where there can be positives drawn from each from each question I know 
when I was listening to Peter talk, and he was saying that sometimes it's not very well thought out. It's interesting. I, I actually think that names are everything, even when they're about a whole lot of nothing. I think sometimes we really give a massive amount of calories to thinking out names and thinking what they represent. I know that when we named our band, you know, he talked about Chic and Coldplay and things like that. These things to to bands and collectives and clubs and the way that we brand ourselves, if you will, have a huge amount of meaning to ourselves, even if <laughs> fundamentally they're about nothing. Like I said, I mean, Chic, in a strange way, when we named the band, two of the members, myself and the drummer, we didn't really care about it. We liked our old name, which was called the Big Apple Band because it was all about New York and it meant everything to oh. us, blah, blah, blah. It was our identity. It's our neighborhood. And then somebody else took that name. And so Bernard said, well, why don't we call ourselves Chic? Now, he had mentioned that name months before, and we were on the floor laughing. We were crying. It was Chic. What, what kind of name is Chic? The Big Apple Band. That's it. You know, but when he mentioned it the second time, we went, Chic. Wow, that's cool. And it was the exact same name, but the circumstances had changed. And because someone else had procured our original name that we thought was cool, now all of a sudden we could see what Bernard was talking about. It was, you know, he's a very famous jazz musician. I can't remember his name, but uh, he was known for coming out and being impeccably dressed. And they would announce him. He'd walk out on stage and he just looked like, you know, he knew in about 20 minutes he's going to be covered in sweat. <laughs> but but before he played, he'd walk out and just look like a, a fashion mob, like he was walking out on the runway. And somebody asked him once, he said, uh, why do you dress, you know, so elegantly, you know, at your performances? And he says, well, they see you before they hear you. That's interesting. <laughs> That's great. So names, That's great. names, it's like they hear your name. They haven't heard your music. They see it on the marquee. They don't know. You know, it can mean a lot. Right? So, as I said, even if it's about a whole lot of nothing. That's interesting. I actually tried to make Peter take my name instead of his. Because I prefer <laughs> Clancy to Crouch. She, <laughs> prefer, she prefers Clancy, yeah. But she wears the trousers anyway, so I might as well. <laughs> 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 I love it. Um, Niall, why are we divided when we're so connected? You know, I've been plagued by this problem all my life. I grew up in New York in um, a very segregated neighborhood, but in a strange way, the people took to me because maybe because I was so odd and I was the only one. I guess they figured that I wasn't too bad and people really did take me under their wing. And this was all throughout my childhood. But when I think about society as a whole, I, I guess I sort of go back to my old school thinking when we were in science class and they talked about three brains and the reptilian brain and, and the reptilian brain was our best form of defense, you know, fight or flight. It protected us. It made sure that we would exist. And maybe we just haven't evolved enough and, I mean, I look at the world and I wonder why people are afraid of each other because we really shouldn't be. I mean, we are, we really are the same, you know, what's great about our lives and probably the same thing happens to Peter and probably Abby as well, because we get to, we get to go around the world and we do our art or our craft for other people other civilizations and we do it in our own language like i when i sing i'm singing in english if i'm playing in africa or i'm playing in finland the song go, still goes we are family and everybody sings it <laughs> and we have a, a connection we don't have to overly define it they can feel our sincerity just being on the stage they can see that we're sort of connected and they want us there for a reason or else we wouldn't have, you know, 50,000 people at the show. So we've already connected to their hearts, minds, and souls on some level or they wouldn't show up. So it shows me that we do have the ability to connect with the masses and we do have the ability to go from culture to culture to culture, from different religions to di all sorts of things and feel 
that same fun that we would have in a local pub with our buddies or playing in at Hyde Park or playing at Glastonbury or whatever. It's honestly, it's the same. And I know that we're fortunate in that we have professions that allow us to do that. They connect with those cultures because they have something directly in common, but it isn't very difficult for us to take the next step and say, you know what? We also have this in common. Oh, and by the way, we have this in common too. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. yeah. I was just thinking how how amazing fashion, sport, and music are for having this universal language of, of acceptance. Because Peter, when you've been on holiday and you've, you know, a kid's beach ball comes up, you just pass mm. it, pass it over. And there's this, <laughs> there's this, you don't have to talk the same language, do you? It's just there. It's, it's mm. what you can do with the ball. Or you see the Olympics for all the athletes coming out or you play a chord and, and someone from a different religion or culture relates to that. And we're, we're all lucky, aren't we? Yeah, mm. absolutely. I think, uh, like, just going on from that is is certainly with music, like with you boys and 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 with football, is is that certainly when when you play shows or you know your music brings everyone together, doesn't it? Let's be honest. It doesn't matter what back where you're from, you know. We are families on everyone's on the dance floor, you know. Everyone's yeah. enjoying it. And then uh, I think the same with football. Like you say, uh, if I go on the beach anywhere in the world and I'm doing a few you know, keepy ups, mm-hmm. um, if I'm in Brazil, for instance, you know, a couple of kids come over, we we don't have to speak the same language. We can still kick the ball to each other, you know. And it's. Uh, mm-hmm. There's definitely something special. And I think uh, the problems that we probably face at the moment is when you go to a gig, you you have like-minded people. When you go to a football match, everyone's there for the same thing. If you go to you know a catwalk show, people are there to enjoy the same thing. And I think the problem comes from, I know everyone says it, it's a bit of a cliche, but with social media and what we have today is that you're, you're, just, you're then thrust into everyone on the planet's opinions. Rather, yeah. you know, when you go to a to a gig or a football match, you're supporting your team and, you know, you've all got the same sort of interests, if you like, you know, and if you take yourself into that world, then everyone else is part of that world. If you go to a comedy show, whatever you do, you're surrounded by people that have the same sort of opinions of, as you. But when, but when you're on... That is the problem with social media. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So when you're, when you're on social media... profile fit for you so that they're automatically presuming what you would what group you should be in and they they put you into groups and categories Mm. and what comes up on your feed are things that they think you would be interested in and and I think that can be quite a lonely place and being a mum of four it's quite scary seeing how the world is going like in that sense of everyone looking so perfect with filters on and the kids thinking they should look a certain way and be into a certain thing and if they're not into that they're not in the group you know it's it's quite scary i just i just mean that like you get everyone's opinion do you know what i mean yeah, it's just like do. and it might not be opinion you agree with and i think that's maybe part of the problem that you know you, you might go back and sort of and cause this tension and arguments that weren't there sort of the last previous 10 years mm-hmm. no you're yeah, right Pressure of social media, you know, but it's interesting. I was thinking then with how football and music unite. And I was watching Leicester Arsenal yesterday and Sarah, I'm so lucky. I mean, I didn't know this when I fell in love with her. First met her and we just fell in, it literally was, we fell in love after a Craig David gig. No. And she wasn't there to actually see Craig. She had been invited there by Craig's agent and she didn't have any like interest in being with the agent. And we met and we fell in love and that was incredible. What was the most incredible thing is that she supported Chelsea at the time. And as a, I don't know why she, why she did it. I didn't force her, but but she then changed over from <laughs> Chelsea to Leicester City. And we've got season <laughs> tickets. We go there. God, and this is the most amazing thing. But she is so, in, she's as passionate about Leicester City as I am. You know, and we've had some amazing experiences together. So watching the football and we, we connect on football. We will sit there. We'll have a glass of wine. We'll watch the match. But yesterday we became divided over this match and we had an argument that lasted a good few hours because Sarah said to me, I'm fed up of watching football with you because you're commentating on the match. You're turning into your dad. Now, my dad, we call the Grinch because he's a lovely guy and I love him with all my heart. But when we won the league, I called him up. Well, when Chelsea beat Tottenham and we won the league and I was literally didn't know I was crying, laughing. I was literally all over the place. And I rang up my dad and I said, Dad, you know, this is just bearing in mind, me and him have been to the matches since I was seven years of age, Filbert Street, up to Leicester, been through the, well, more lows than highs. Mm. And I spoke to him and I said, look, Dad, we've won the league, you know, crying, laughing down the phone. And there was silence. And he said, well, you know what? 
He said, we're really going to struggle next year if we don't buy some players. <laughs> now, so <laughs> he is a realist. He is looking at the negatives. And yesterday, Sarah was saying, you're turning into your dad. You're looking at all these injuries. You're looking at the fact that, you know, some defensive errors, we're not moving the ball. <laughs> and that literally divided us. So it's interesting how you can be, you can be connected and then you can be divided at the same time in, in marriage. I absolutely so. hate football. <laughs> And we've been together You told me that when years. I first spoke to you, Abby. It's like, I call them at five to three. Where are you? Why aren't you answering your phone? It's like, I'm just about to go on the pitch. I'm like, I'm oh, so sorry. Because <laughs> no, I, 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 my, my brother, my other brother, Sean, he played for Liverpool from like the age of nine and Everton. And then he played for Blackpool and Fleetwood. So as a child, I always got dragged to football matches. And I, my my memory is just being cold. I'm wet, I'm bored. <laughs> and to this day, when I watch football, all I see, unless it's Ronaldo playing or Peter, um, <laughs> is is just men running around. I don't see anything else. I can't see any skill. I, I It just, the only thing I like is penalties. But, you know, it's surprising we've lasted so long with my hate of football, isn't it? Well, it shows the love is real. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Honestly, I absolutely love it. Like, when I used to come up when I was playing, I'd come home from football and Ab would change the subject the minute I walked through the door. If I played a good game or a bad game, it was gone, you know? And I think the moment you come through, it's nice to be able to sort of relax at home and just straight away, it's about the kids, what they've done. It's about, you know, Ab's day. She doesn't even ask me what the score is, you know, what, or if I'd played well He's or bad. He's just scored a hat, and, and I'm like, you're and, late for dinner. You know, we might watch match of the day in the evening, and she'll be like, uh, oh, you scored a couple of goals. So, yeah, you didn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I wouldn't change it for the world. Pete's no, got friends true, whose wives are, like, huge football fans. Their husband will come home from a football match, and she'll be like, that goal was rubbish. That tackle was awful. Like <laughs> you should have done. You should have kicked it to the left and kicked it over your head or whatever the lingo is. So luckily you don't get that, do you? That's yeah, it's the best way. Keeps you, keeps you grounded. I have the same thing with Sarah. You know, she's she's my biggest supporter, but my harshest critic. You know, I'll get to I'll be on like mix. 30 of a song you know not unable to get it right and I say come on can I just play this to you and she goes okay then so we put it on and she'll go that's absolutely rubbish you know it's so much better before why didn't you just go with the demo you know <laughs> why didn't you just no I've got all this new equipment and I've, I've been spending days on this thing and she just cuts it cuts it right back so but you're yeah. the same with me Pete like I'll, I'll do a photo shoot and send Peter like an amazing picture all glammed up looking great and then come home the hair comes off the eyelashes come off the fleece dressing gown goes on he's like oh who is this person <laughs> this is not nothing like the image you've just showed me what you were doing today like can't you just stay like that <laughs> no it's good to keep grounded now how do we find our truth this is something that that I believe that we intrinsically know. I think that whether we stumble upon it or we have an idea of what it is, even when we become self-aware, you know, I guess basically what I'm trying to say is that we know what makes us feel like us and we know what makes us feel unlike us. Is this something Niall really would do? Or am I being influenced by others, the situation or what have you? Um, so I think that we all know our basic truths. You know, I, I see so many people around the world that may do good things, uh, or even better example, do bad things. And when they do bad things, I sometimes wonder, do they go home and say, oh my God, why did I do that? Did I do that because I really meant to be that person? Or did I do that because I was influenced by the mob, if you will, or the bullies around me? or a self of wanting to belong. So I do think that we all basically know our own truths. And I'm not saying that in absolute terms, because some people are quite confused. They don't really know. They are asking those questions and they need to, They need help. They need to sometimes find it or trip over it. Or as my old music teacher used to say to me, you know, now you keep saying that you're falling, and I say, yeah, you know, I don't understand what's going on. I'm trying, I'm trying. He says, but don't worry, bro. You're falling forward. You're doing the right thing. You're not <laughs> falling backwards. As long as you keep falling forward, you are okay. And I would say, oh, okay. I, I didn't quite understand it at the time. 
But then it became clearer to me because he could see that I was dedicated to something and I was dedicated to trying to perfect something, be it an idea or a motif or whatever, whatever. But boy, he could see that I was just relentless. I was, you know, I sleep two, three hours a night. Um, even now, you know, I'm 68 years old. Last night I slept maybe three and a half hours. Maybe. Yeah, well, you could come around be. here and do our night feeds if you're awake in the night. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to be awake three times a night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I just, I've always had that kind of energy. Mm. And I I don't know, I I just, I'm just curious. I I like to know how and why things work for just the satisfaction of maybe feeling at peace. To say, oh, okay, that makes sense to me. I, I get it. I get why they did that. And it also gives me the ability to feel not so ju- not so judgmental of others. I feel very non-judgmental because I can understand. I can look at things from multiple points of view. It's really powerful. I love what you're saying mm. about your authentic self. In that we all know, you know what's right or wrong, and the true path really, isn't it? It's having that ability to to look at yourself in the mirror and just ask yourself, yeah, is is an opportunity the right thing or the wrong thing? It's really powerful, Abby. What's the cost of freedom? Oh, God. I, I want to throw in a joke. I'm so sorry. No, um, no. Don't did apologize. You ever see the, you ever see the, um, the parody m- movie with the puppets called Team America? America. Yeah. Fuck, fuck yes. Yeah. <laughs> freedom. Abby, freedom costs the buck oh five. Okay. <laughs> 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 I love that film, by the way. That was, that was amazing. If you had said that, Abby, I would have died if you had said, <laughs> freedom costs a buckle fast. I, 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 wish I, I wish I was quick enough, but that's one of those boy movies that I, I didn't find funny. You are into that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! That's a great film. Cost of freedom for me. I don't know. I can't get out of my head now. <laughs> for, for for yourself. Yeah, could be for yourself, or could be. I mean, the I came up with this this question, and I was lucky enough to, at the time where we could travel, interview a man who'd spent forty four years in solitary, Albert. And mm-hmm. the amazing thing is that his take was that freedom didn't cost anything because even in that prison cell which measured six by nine feet he was able to free his mind and I found that really so inspiring that Mm. you know we've all complained about lockdown but here's a guy that spent 44 years in solitary confinement 23 hours a day and for the first part because I was asking him like but what what was really in your cell you know did you did you have a tv no he had books at the latter stage, but I think for the first seven years he had the Bible. And yeah, he was just able to free wow. his mind from that. So I just found that incredibly inspiring. But it freedom's an interesting thing, you know, whether do you feel slightly trapped by fame in terms of are there certain things that you can do and that you can't do that you feel, you know, the cost cost of being famous and all the great things about being able to do the things that you do, there's a cost to it because you're maybe not as free, or is that not the case? I, do, I personally don't feel like that because I, I feel quite lucky. Um, and that comes back to the don't care. I don't care if there's like a dodgy picture of us or a book. For me, freedom is the cost of freedom. It's, it's being happy, and I feel happy. I don't really feel trapped. I feel like looking at my kids and seeing them, that they I feel like they have like utter freedom. You know, they're always laughing and they're always happy and they're always like hugging and kissing each other. I, d- I don't know if that's freedom but that's just what i'm thinking about now when you said that it's the only question i didn't think about by the way <laughs> but it's i feel i feel free I, f- I feel happy and for me being happy is freedom you know i would like to escape some of my worries and the fear and you know being scared of things that can be make you feel trapped a bit but in a whole like i feel free i, I feel so happy and free yeah we're, we're with me when you you mentioned that I, i'm being six foot seven, I'm quite recognisable, and I think when I when I'm in the in England, I do get recognised a lot. And I, but I can't sit here and stay 
oh, you know, it's a pain in the arse or, you know, I dislike it. I mean, there's times, yeah, where I'd, I'd rather people don't recognise me. You know, if I'm with my kids at a theme park or something like that, and they want to go on a ride and I've got people that want to have a picture or they want to talk to me. Yeah, it can be, can be a bit of a pain in the arse. Do you know what I mean? But I feel like that sort of platform and, 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 the, and the fact that people do know me has given me the freedom, you know, has given me the freedom to do what I want, to, the freedom to be able to travel, to go and do amazing things that I've done sort of in my football career. And I think if you if I sat here and started going, you know, oh, yeah, that's a nightmare or that, you know, the fact that people do, they want a piece of me here, they want to do, if I sat there, you know, it'd be so wrong because my, my job has put me on a platform, yeah, where people recognise me, but it's all, it's given me so many amazing experiences and amazing opportunities to do what I want to do I can't look at that as being a negative and I always go back to when I was a sort of nine ten year old boy and I was meet, you know I met a footballer or I saw a footballer in on the street or somewhere I was so wide-eyed and I could not believe my eyes and no matter what level of player that was <laughs> when I saw them I was just like I wanted to know everything about them and what they were doing and what they did so I put myself in the kids shoes I need to try and be as kind or as welcoming and listen you can't please everyone um, but if you've got a profile that someone knows then I think you do have to be aware of the situation certainly with the young kids that it might be a difficult time but I think you do have to make time for as many people as you can. Ultimately you're saying the same thing as Albert in that although your circumstances have been wildly different freedom is in the mind freedom is a perception you've chosen to perceive what you do but I've met a lot of famous people that feel very trapped by fame and that almost bring about weird situations because of the way they are. And then if someone comes up to them, we'll, we'll act in a slightly strange way. And then, so that's very inspiring. And, and it shows you that, yeah, freedom is a, is a state of being, isn't it really? Niall, is it too late to save the planet? Um, this is a big worry for me. I come from a, a science background and um, this is um, something I, I quite worry about. I, on on one level, on on this extremely philosophical level, I say that oh, we can't destroy the planet because it's a closed ecosystem and everything that's here has always been here, and all that's going to happen is it's going to change form. We may not be around <laughs> because we won't be able to inhabit it, um, which would be a sad thought. But that's because we have this wonderful thing called the cerebral cortex and we can sit around and we can think about stuff like that. We can actually project scenarios and things like that where other life forms can't do that. So I can be very philosophical and say, we don't have to save the planet because the planet will save itself. Just human beings may be gone. But what I'd like to have is preserve the beauty that we have and stop killing off what exists now because what we have is so beautiful and what's taken gazillions of years to achieve what we have is amazing. And wouldn't it be great once again you know man i'm going back Fraser, to the this whole concept that we have when we're doing concerts and we can see unity amongst tens of thousands of people for that brief period of time and you can easily imagine but what if that same thing whatever that was that brought us together yeah it may be a specific concert or some people are not there to see me but they put up with me to see somebody else but still, there's a sense of decorum, a sense of fun, a sense, mm -hmm. of, you know, if someone got hurt, everybody would run to their aid. And, and I say that, why is it that we can't figure out a big problem, which is obvious to almost everyone, and tackle that big problem together as one, <laughs> as one planet? Like, we all come together for something as we do at the Olympics or as we do with you know, a specific event, because this is a big event. I mean, right now, just where I live, we've never had weather like we've had this year ever. And a couple of years ago, we had what they call the 100-year storm, but we hadn't had that storm in 100 years or maybe two or three or 400 years. 
It was something that was incredible, uh, an incredible thing. And we see these convergences of storms and these climactic activities that we've never seen before. And when these patterns come together, these incredible anomalies change, you know, this, uh, or these incredible anomalies happen uh, as they have here in, in my little irrelevant state of Connecticut. We've had the greatest amount of snow in the month of February, I think they said, in history. And what what's interesting is February is the shortest month, right? <laughs> 28 days. We've actually had the greatest amount of snow in 28 days. Wow. It's really interesting what you're saying that basically alluding to the fact that, you know, that the planet is going to be just fine, but it's actually more the people that inhabit the planet <laughs> that right. need to fix up, right? <laughs> that, <laughs> that's what Katrin said on the record as well. She said, you know, the, the planet doesn't need human beings, but the human beings yeah. need the planet. So it's, right. it's really interesting. It, it's interesting how all the young kids are so into saving the planet. And, you know, like my daughter, when we're even watching like David Attenborough and it was this little rhino the other day, a little tiny one, like the size of a dog. And there's like 70 of them left in the world. The kids are just heartbroken by these facts. And I, I, mm. I think it'd be nice to see all of them kids rise and try and do something about it. And, mm. you know, it'd be, it would be a good idea, as you say. Like, how come you can't get hundreds of thousands of people in one room to listen to a concert or to watch a football match? But we can't get them all in one room to all agree to try and save the planet. Like, the population since the 70s, since 1970, has doubled. Like my dad telling me the other day, it's like, it's mm -hmm. insane. And people just need to wake up. Like it's, you know, it's something that we, you know, our, even our small steps at home, trying to recycle and, you know, try and do our little bit and making the, the kids aware. Like if everyone just did it, we could try and do something. It's the one great thing about lockdown, isn't it? That the lack of planes and hopefully, you know, the fact that business guys won't need to travel, you know, day in, mm. day out, they'll be able to do mm. more like this on Zoom and, you know, just that the statistic about the West End of London, like the the emissions were roughly the same as like a country village in Hampshire. You know how it can change, and just the the quietness. We were hearing the of, birds, weren't we? Every day, the birds like wake up to the noise of just hearing millions of birds, and normally you can't hear them. It was just, mm. it was amazing, and it was like it was so sunny. It was like the world was going. Oh, and yeah, breathe and like replenishing itself it was it was so nice and I feel like everyone well we certainly felt like that you know you're running around thinking things are important I've got to do this I've got to do that like a headless chicken every day and when you're forced to be in the house and we were playing board games with the kids we were out we were climbing trees we were making cakes you know all things that we kind of don't do that often and it was just it we felt like we came together so much as a family during lockdown even more so and realized like the importance of the, the smallest of things and it was that it was so nice to take that break wasn't mm -hmm. it mentally and physically yeah i mean that was that was the first lockdown the second lockdown we just want to kill each other off. <laughs> <laughs> is he horrible he's horrible <laughs> everyone would be saying the same wouldn't they <laughs> that's all idyllic but I mean, you guys, you, it's like you haven't stopped. How did you, how did you navigate all of that? Because you, I mean, every time we turn the TV on, you're both on there. So you, like your schedules must be crazy. Um, yeah, well, like you say, I mean, it's amazing what you can do remotely. Like for, for me, obviously, I stepped out of football a couple of years ago and then uh, just things have gone a bit bit mad really like when I, I did a podcast and you know that just sort of took off and a book and, and both of them sort of you know but but having said that I did I did those and then I did you know my coaching badges so I was thinking about going into coaching and going that way mm. but that's this sort of one just exploded really and I just I just followed it because it was it was fun and but I yeah I just continued to, to do it and, and, and thankfully I don't know that in the times we're in lots of people are, are struggling okay. and not being able to work so so for me to be able to you know football's still on I'm still being able to go to games and sort of talk about them and stuff and I feel very lucky that I'm I'm able to go and watch live football when a lot of people can't um but also you know I get to do things like like this over over zoom and um you know I can't I can't really call it work I say to Ab I'm going to go and record my podcast and I come in a I get a couple of beers and I put them down on the side and <laughs> I talk to my mates you know <laughs> it's not really work it, it was good for me because I, I could see when Pete was coming to the end of his career had to. I could see 
it was on his mind and it was worrying him and I was so scared of you know oh god what's he gonna do and I just wanted him to be happy and the fact that this podcast came along that he did and his book and everything kind of just went really mm. good and he enjoyed it mm. so much I was just like god this is such a blessing no, but I have to if you don't mind me asking you now like um like for me football was was my life and I know obviously music's yours but sort of you're told to sort of retire when your legs go. And I was lucky. I was 38, but a lot of my friends are 32, you know. And you say you're 68, you know, and you're still doing gigs. You're still doing what you love. Like, there's no, there's no there's sort no of, time yeah, there's, there's no, no time limit on music, you know. It's something that I'm obviously, you know, really jealous of. I know I'm, I'm one of the fortunate ones that I had another sort of, I'm doing another career, which I find quite fun and interesting. But I would, if I could have played till I was 68, I would have done, you know, so it's, uh, mm. it, it, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing. You could go into music as you were rapping. <laughs> he was doing what MC, 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 um, what were you doing? DJ Luck uh, and DJ MC. Luck and MC Neat. I was, uh, nice. I was <laughs> rapping. UK Gary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, UK Garrity. Love it. So, uh, if you ever need a singer. <laughs> Come over though, because, because my, well, it's not a guilty pleasure. It sounds, you know, but it's, I love DJing old school uk garage literally to myself so does he so <laughs> can get together on that peter what happens next oh, i've got to go into that next room and try and get these kids to bed <laughs> there you go <laughs> valid answer valid answer i love i love the fact these these answers don't have to be philosophical and that's you said we were pressed for time no that's the reality isn't it abby nature or nurture oh god both you know I've got four children, all of them we created, not one of them are the same. They've all got their own mind, their own personalities, their own uh, own mannerisms. It's just hmm. bonkers. And I think one thing that does connect them is the, you know, the values and the morals and the manners. But personality-wise, they're all way hmm. different. That that question has really been summed up by our by our children because they cannot to even tell you how different they are. I mean, you know, we've got two girls and two boys. The boys are complete opposites and the girls are complete opposites to each other. Mm. And I don't think it's, we, we didn't parent any different. Yeah. We didn't do anything. It was literally just, just born like that. It's just nature. Like you, there's nothing we did differently with any of them. They go to the same schools. There's no, there's nothing different, but they are such it's, different it's, people. It's, um, it's just the thing we think about all the time mm. in this house, isn't it? It is amazing. I was going to say it answers your earlier question. They know their own truth. Yeah, they do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Niall, what matters most? Hmm, that's um, the really simple answer that would hit me as soon as you said it is the next thing that I have to do. The most important thing to me at this exact moment is when I get off this cast with you, I'm going right upstairs to the studio and start working. Oh, oh god, I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh, to be a fly on the wall in your studio. I know. Oh. It's a pretty good day today. Um, what are you working so, on? Um, right now, I'm doing Edina Menzel's album, but um, I wrote two things for Emily Sande, and um, oh yeah, and then plus I got the new S.G. Lewis record out now, which just came out a few days Congratulations, ago. Congratulations! And that seems like that's really killing. Yeah. Um, what a nice guy. Uh, I've never met him, but he went to the same school as me. Oh, no kidding. He's, yeah. he's, a, yeah. he's a sweetheart. He's wonderful. Oh, he's amazing. Um, yeah. Music. So, yeah, it's trying to uh, get this next Dina composition. So I said to her last night, because she had just written me back, she said, I effing love this. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I, I had just finished Nakane's album, and I said, you know, I told him, you know, I'm doing Adina now. And he said, oh, Niall, I'd love to work on a song for her. That's why I just said to you, wow, maybe I should ask my friends who are also great writers and producers, just write me something. Give me give me a cool track. Because she got really excited about other people that I know that are in my world. That I could just say, hey, let me throw it out there. Amazing. That wow. was long-winded, but that was... No, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's cool. That's great. Nice, well, nice. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm conscious. I'm conscious of time. I want to skip to question twelve because I want all three of your answers to the question: What is love, Niall? Baby, don't hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you, Abby. Good one. That's up there with freedom cost the buck oh five. Um, um, love is having 
deep affection for something or someone. You know, I love music, but I love my life. I love my mom, even though she just passed away. I still love her. I I love the concept of her. I love the fact that I had to go through all the things that I've gone through to become a 68-year-old guy who can still do gigs. And it's not been an easy road, but I don't think I would have changed it. So I love, I love my life. I love the journey. And that's why I could easily say it's having a deep attachment um, or a deep affection for something. I'm attached and affected <laughs> and affectionate <laughs> and affectionate <laughs> towards these events or people or concepts. I love them beautiful abby for me love is like putting other people first I, I feel like for me i'm always I, I always feel like i'm last what makes me happy and makes me feel loved is loving other people and trying to make them feel loved or feel happy i don't know it sounds so cheesy but that's what love is for me like i just love people being happy and cheesy. I don't really like having things. I, I think one thing I do struggle with in my life is having all these nice things and opportunities and going to, I, I want everyone who I love to be a part of it. Otherwise I can't be happy. <laughs> so for me, love is other people's happiness and putting other people first. Mm. I think. That's great. Pete. Uh, yeah, no, there's many different forms of it. I think uh, love, certainly I think you can love, I'm just equating it to my life, you know, I love what I do, you know, I love, I'm passionate about football and I'm passionate about music. I'm mm. passionate about lots of different things where I'd say, I'd say love. But when you ask that question, I immediately think of, of my family because I just think of, you know, they're the people that I'd put before myself, you know, and football or music or anything couldn't get in the way of what I feel about like, Abby and and my kids, you know, so I think the strongest type of love is the love of, of certainly my wife and children because, you know, if I, if I had to quit everything so they could be happy, then that, I would do it in a heartbeat. You know? So I think that is a strong, that's the strongest kind of love that you can, you can possibly have. Amazing. Can't add to that. Can't add to those answers. You know, that's absolutely phenomenal. And I didn't put what is love as a purpose for as a, you know, the last question on the album for any other reason that it just felt right to be there. And the more I look at these questions, the interesting thing is that for me, I think that love is actually the answer to all of these questions. To everything, mm. yeah. Yeah, because when I went... I, every question. It does, actually, yeah. yeah. I went through it and, and love is faith and love is enough and love helps us to care and love love is, is deeper than a name. Love is freedom. Love is connection. Love is truth. Love is will save the planet. Love will... Yeah. Love actually matters most yeah it's, it's it's interesting but but guys i can't thank you enough for your sharing your your answers and your thoughts and your experiences and your your truth it's just an amazing been an amazing hour with you guys i'm, I'm so grateful and thank you so much cool thank you it was great spending time with you all uh <clears throat> frazier send me a track that i love <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> So there is a pinch yourself moment. You have to remember these times because I am a normal guy. I went to school, failed my exams, was a waiter for many years, played some terrible gigs. I mean, me being the terrible one, but also some terrible venues. People hated my music, got through, had some breaks, had a great time. Ultimately, I'm a very, very, very normal guy, but I've literally just spent an hour talking to a supermodel, a world-class footballer, and an icon of music. All I can say is I must have done something very, very good in a previous life. In fact, I must have been like Florence Nightingale or Marie Curie. If you haven't checked it out already, check out 12 Questions by me, Fraser T. Smith, a.k.a. Future Utopia, available on all the major streaming services. And don't forget to subscribe and like this podcast. Also, ask yourself the 12 questions. Ask other people the 12 questions. I put this record out to stir debate and hopefully create change. So why don't you send us your answers to the 12 questions on Instagram and Twitter at the Future Utopia. 
Last but not least, a massive shout out to Becky Voice at the Tape Agency, my management crew, Phil, Kate, Jasmine and Josh at 360 for helping make this podcast happen. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. And until then, let's make the future a utopia.